So this is season two, episode two, some assembly required. And so I tried to do my usual like in which something becomes something, uh-huh. like the thing in real life that they're dealing with becomes something, you know, yeah, mystical. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this one, I wrote one thing and then I crossed it out and wrote another thing. So first of all, I wrote in which bereavement becomes a zombie science fair project. Uh huh. Okay. And then I crossed it out and wrote in which a sense of entitlement and ownership over women's bodies becomes a zombie science fair project. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're really getting at the complexity of the episode as well, too. About It's got layers. Yeah, like about what is it that drives somebody to do, you know, inhuman things. Um, it could be grief or it could be that you're just like a little psychopath, like the curly haired guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Or a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the the translated uh, title, episode titles for this. So the German one was Operation Cordelia. Now, <laughs> now what's interesting about this is I don't know if in German Operation has yeah. the dual, has the dual uh, meaning of, you know, mm-hmm. a kind of... Uh, like as in uh, surgery operation and an operation like a, 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 a what would you well I don't know what's a synonym for that like a task or like a yeah 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 a plan a plan yeah yeah so so I don't know if if the but you know the Germans do like wordplay so I wouldn't be surprised if Operation Cord- actually Operation Cordelia even in English that's a that's a pretty solid title yeah right yeah definitely Germans if you're listening uh write in and let us know yeah because uh, <laughs> whether operation has a double meaning in German yeah because we're impressed anyway uh and then in uh Brazil it was uh precisa de retoques which means it needs it needs a little touching up needs, needs a, little, a little touching up yeah needs a little touch up um <laughs> and in Japan again I'm loving the J- Japanese titles um revive the corpse <laughs> All of them work well. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Well done, well done, world. Um, <laughs> so we start, is this, we start in the graveyard? We do. You said that from now on every episode starts in the graveyard, right? No, no. No. Every, every series opener starts in the graveyard. Okay. Quite a lot of episodes start in the graveyard, mm-hmm, but the graveyard mm-hmm. anchors us in, you know, kind of in the Buffy verse, I guess. So yeah. Mm. But I'm pretty yeah, so isn't isn't this uh Buffy's waiting for a vampire and Angel turns up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and Angel's being a little bit weird and jealous. Uh-huh. Um, based on Buffy's sexy dancing in the previous episode. Uh which which He's so because she says because she danced with or flirted with or whatever, and then he goes, mm, "That's putting it lightly." Mated with might be better. So I always, whenever I was watching this, I always thought he said like "made it with," like, like, like a like a kind of a you know like a I don't know some sort of sixties American slang for like getting off with somebody. Um, and this was the first time I watched that episode that I realized he was saying "mated with him." Like she, he was saying Buffy. Oh mated with Xander on the dance floor. Is that what he's saying? I think so. Because you know what though in America they do say like made it with means had sex with. So I've always read it as mated with but but this time I don't know why I just I thought he's saying he's saying mated with. What about the song by Queens of the Stone Age that's like I want to make it with you? Yeah yeah I'm I'm saying like it does have that 
but but I uh-huh. I don't know. I just feel like he was saying mated with. And it would be really hard to tell with an American accent. It would be. Oh, mated with her. Yeah. I mean, ugh, mated with sounds like that's. I mean, that's we a both really weird we 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 did see that dance. Sadie. Yes, that's true. There was some, <laughs> some definitely some mating going yeah, on. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, yeah, and then Buffy kind of admits that she was trying to make him crazy, and then says, "Behold my success," mm-hmm. um, which is a great line, but not a cool thing to do. I kind of thought, like, because you know how the last episode was like her. You know, when she was bad and mm-hmm. she's like having a bad time and behaving badly. Um, I thought she would kind of have some guilt about that or kind of, I mean, she maybe does, but she's also just a bit like, yeah, I was trying to make you jealous. It worked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she's not in a place with Angel yet to show that kind of vulnerability either. Do you know? Like she she did. No. She did show she was very sheepish when she went and remember she went into the classroom and then the piano music played for like a really long time to show that they were all still friends. Yes. Like she was yes. quite sheepish then. But like I think That's right. So she did have some uncomfortable feelings about yeah, that whole situation. Yeah, I think given her relationship with Angel, it's you know, I don't I don't think that she she owes him her vulnerability at this point. She's quite upfront about does she she uses she talks about loving him quite a lot in this episode though, to him. Like she's quite upfront about her strong emotions. Do they say the L word? I think she does talk about well, she says love makes you do the wacky ah uh, yes 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 and I, she says that to him at one point which there is a but strong she, implication i think she, she, loves him. she says it about well i think that's what's at the end because it's, it doesn't okay, okay it's like willow says it to her and then she says it about um what would like as in like the, the motivations behind everything that happens in this episode do you know as in love makes okay. you do the wacky so she's still playing it a little a little yeah. bit cool so except not really playing yeah. it cool so, <laughs> so they have their spat um, and then uh, Buffy falls into a grave and they realise that someone's been grave robbed mm-hmm. because they originally think it's a vampire that's risen but then they realise the body's been dragged out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. and uh, then it kicks off um that's the opening. So my next note is just capital letters uh, with like lots of, like some of the letters have been multiplied various times. So it's just Giles and like loads of exclamation points. I think is he is because he's flirting with the chair. Giles is preparing to ask somebody on a date. Oh, somebody. He's pretending is there in the chair. Someone who likes naked mud wrestling, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is naked mud wrestling techno pagan women, <laughs> um, but he's being very sweet um, and awkward, and he's like not sure how to do it. Um, and then he shouts "idiot" at himself, and then uh, Buffy and Xander walk in and kind of make fun of him. But they're very gentle and reassuring and kind. I didn't have such a good relationship with any of my teachers in school. Mm-hmm. They kind of gently mock him, but also tell him how he should be going about asking Miss Calendar on a date. Um, it's quite a sweet little scene. It's great too because there's no. I don't think in the first series there's any. There's no episode that really. Um, let you get to know Giles. Mm. Like there's like there's a Buffy episode, there's a Willow episode, there's a Xander episode, whatever, but there's no episode that like focuses on him. And no, this isn't about Giles this episode, but you know, 
you're starting to see series two is like, all right, we're going to humanize Giles. You know, mm. we're going to find out more about him. We're going to see him less as this author- authoritative figure and, you know, more as a human. Um, mm. and, and we do get to feel like we know him better yeah. as it goes on, I think. No, no, it's a very, very cute scene. Um, and then Xander says that Jenny is dolesome for someone in his age bracket. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that Nicholas Brendan is older than than Robia Lamort or whatever her name is. I mean, I would have assumed so. Like, she's very fucked. I'm right? sure she's only like 27 or 28 there or whatever. Like, so it's like <laughs> like age bracket. <laughs> it was, yeah. She is very dolsome. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Dolsome. 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 And I, I don't mean to appear indecorous. Is is um, uh, a, a social engagement, uh, uh, a date, if you're amenable. Idiot. Xander says, do we have to... Yeah, so then Xander, <laughs> Xander does that bit where he's... So so Giles calls the chair an idiot and then Xander's like, yeah, I like being called an idiot. It turns me on. And Buffy just turns around and goes, I fear you. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a beautiful moment. Yeah. I really like that. And then Xander's like talking to Giles and like ribbing him gently and he's like, do we have to talk about the facts of life? Because that whole stork thing is a smokescreen. Um, and then Giles... There's just this moment where he just turns around and looks genuinely like taken aback. <laughs> you think he, you think he, you think he believes in the stork. It really looks like he does because he just kind of looks up, looking a bit befuddled, and then changes the subject. But he looks really like kind of like blindsided for a second there. That might be because like we don't have the stork in in like you know Britain and Ireland. I feel like do we st- not? I feel I feel like it's very much an American thing. I mean, we'd all seen Dumbo. Maybe Giles hadn't seen Dumbo. Yeah, maybe he hadn't seen Dumbo. But I, I think the stork, to me, even growing up knowing about the stork, it felt very much like this weird American thing. Like, I don't know. We don't even have storks in Ireland, do we? Do we have storks <laughs> here? Have you ever seen a stork? <laughs> no, true. We don't have storks. You, we find babies behind mullets. I don't even know what a stork we? is. I couldn't draw one. Is it like a pelican, except it doesn't have the big fat bit of its beak? I think it's a lot like a heron. Is it, is it just a different word for a heron? No, I think it's a different bird. Okay. I think storks are bigger. Yeah, I think we find babies behind mulberry bushes um, on the side of the pond. Traditionally. I don't I don't think that I don't think there's any sort of set thing. No, I mean we just have sex. Yeah. <laughs> but in Ireland, like I can't <laughs> I can't remember I can't remember ever ever I mean the thing is I didn't have any younger siblings though. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I never had to have it explained to me. Whereas, like, I mean, you had younger siblings. So, like, what did your what did your mum say to you when when like? I think we just got the truth. Yeah. Yeah, we got the truth fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Or did you? Um, you didn't ask like, where did the baby come from? Like, why are you pregnant? You know. I think I probably did, and I think they told me. Okay. Yeah. And you turned out um, fine. Look at you. I you're, turned out fine. You're doing yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, but I do remember like a lot of misinformation going between me and my siblings and other kids in the street. Oh yeah, um, I mean at one point I'm sure we all thought that like the man peed in the woman and then that's how she got pregnant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure Tom asked me what a blowjob was at some point, and I told him it was something you get at the hairdressers. Like, <laughs> wasn't, that wasn't me trying to be a good big sister. That was like, I genuinely was like, you get at the hairdressers, <laughs> obviously. Is that a blue white? I think that might be a blue white. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Like, you know, getting your hair blow dried is probably that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, and the, no, I remember because the context was he was like, "What's a ten pound blowjob?" That was it. So he'd heard this somewhere, like a ten pound blowjob. What is a ten pound like, blowjob? Well, I think just a one that costs ten pounds. Cost yeah, okay. that you pay ten pounds for. So I, I don't know what he'd been watching, but um, but yeah, I was like, that's probably about the price for getting your hair blowed. I don't know. Yeah, it is of course a terrible thing. Must must put a stop to it. Damn it. Um. So I think. So so then we're we're in like the science fair, isn't it? This is like science fair yeah. science fair madness in the hall. And uh there is I think a little bit of sexual tension between Willow and Chris. Uh-huh. I think, I think you're right. I think there's a little oh, yeah. there's a little bit of geek love happening. Yeah, yeah, I definitely felt that as well. And like the first and second in the science fair, there's like a rivalry. Do you know? And the science fair has been made mandatory this year, we discover. Mm-hmm. So Cordy has to enter and Cordy's science fair project is called the tomato, fruit or vegetable. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the answer? Um, she comes into the library later saying like, oh, I need help with my science fair project. And Willow, with beautiful comic timing, she's she's so good, Alison Hannigan, um, just looks up and goes, it's a fruit. <laughs> but is it a fruit? Is it a fruit? I didn't look into this. It is so the technically technically according to like the scientific definition of a fruit, it's a fruit. Okay. Um but I think it's important that we recognise the cultural definition of yes. stuff as well. Yes. I think. Um I saw where was it? Um I, saw, I think someone gave me a, a a birthday card once or something, but it was um Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing not to put one in a fruit salad. Ah, uh, yes, yes, very good. I don't think anyone should have to do anything educational in school if they don't want to. Okay, so yeah, the science fair chat is happening. There's a little bit of that um, kind of, and it's, it's nice to see Willow in her element. You know, like it's nice, yeah, to, it's nice yeah. to see Willow. Like you know, out, like obviously she finds herself in the Scooby Gang or whatever, but she's also you know a complete person. She's a she has she had all her friends in the AV club, you know, until they were yeah. all killed in the last episode mm-hmm. of the first series. Um, you see, you start to see like start to see her areas in life in which she thrives outside of just being associated with Buffy, you know. Yeah, and she obviously knows these guys, I guess, from the science mm-hmm. club she talks about, and like, yeah, she's got relationships. Um, we meet Chris and we meet creepy Eric. Eric, that's him. Yeah, and he's very, very creepy. Um, although takes like some him. very good photos, actually. The photos, them- yes. every time I saw the photos, I was like, that's a really good photo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really like, yeah, really quite kind of uh, stark, atmospheric black and white photography. Yeah, like a kind of like a 50s paparazzi shot of like an Italian actress. Mm. Um but he's doing it for nefarious purposes. Yeah. But we will discover. Buffy turns up and tells Willow, uh, in front of everybody, she says, it's the bat signal. <laughs> and then I'm like, what does everybody think the bat signal is? <laughs> yeah. I would have some questions if I was one of those other kids standing yeah. around. Yeah. Like, just ask her to go to the toilet with you or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Buffy, yeah. Buffy's getting off a little bit too much on the secret identity at this point. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you could be more subtle by kind of hiding in plain sight a little bit more. I yeah. Think. Oh, so demons who eat the flesh of the dead to absorb. So their they're doing souls. their research in the library, and Cordy comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of brings up the fact that, um, she brings up Daryl. So Daryl, she brings it up as you know, like I have. 
I'm grieving for this person, Daryl, but she does it in like a funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he might be an ex-boyfriend or just someone she fancied. It's not really clear at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they all completely ignore her, apart from Giles, who pats her on the shoulder and goes, they're there. Mm-hmm. Although Willow, um, Willow does offer her an olive branch. Oh, yeah. What does Willow say again? I think, does she not um, say, oh, we're going to like research and see who's stealing the dead bodies or whatever? Yes. Which I think right, yeah. I think is like Willow's way of, of reaching out. Yeah, so at first they're all ignoring her, but then, um, but yeah, then Willow's like, oh, do you want to come and uh, dig up dead bodies with us? Yeah. And Cordy's like, oh, I wish I'd known sooner because I would have cancelled my plans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in a really sarcastic way that I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love Cordy. So to the back to the graveyard, mm-hmm. um, Sandra and Giles are digging up recent graves. Is this correct? Yes, and uh, Willow and Buffy are kind of sitting having a chat about. But Angel Willow is being incredibly forgiving mm-hmm. of uh, Buffy's kind of jealousy-inducing sexy dancing. I mean, we did yeah. decide that, that wasn't necessarily completely. Um, Buffy's decision because Chibo Matter were playing at the time. Yes, yes. And they, in although it wasn't made explicit in the storyline, I think there might have been a little bit of kind of magical, sexy, yeah, yeah, um, possession going on, which made her dance all up against Xander. But we know that in that scene, uh, there had been this kind of burgeoning thing going on between Willow and Xander, and Buffy knew about it, and mm. then she kind of used Xander's attraction to her as a way of making Angel jealous, which is not very cool. Um, but Willow is so kind and sweet and forgiving and is just like, um, yeah, love makes you do the wacky. Uh, but but only talks about it in terms of like Buffy and Angel and kind of Xander, but doesn't really bring up the fact that that was actually quite a mean thing to do to her as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So she I mean, is, she's very I... forgiving, like you're right, she's very forgiving, but I just think, you know, like at no point uh, does Buffy ever like apologise to Willow no. for like the specific way in which it was mean to, to do that. Yeah, I think we're supposed to gather that Willow doesn't mind at all, but I think she must have some yeah. festering resentments under the surface, mm-hmm. surely. Yeah, even on or a just, just some level. hurt, just some hurt, you know? You would think, wouldn't you? Was, yeah. Then there's a great line. This was just after she put the ice cream on her yeah. nose to try and get Xander to kiss it off yeah. and then but the spell kind of ruined, ruined the moment the spell was bit. already broken I'm an old fashioned gal I was raised to believe that men dig up the corpses and that women have the babies and then Willow mm-hmm. tells Buffy that the this guy Daryl who Cordy was talking about is Chris's older brother mm-hmm. who died in a climbing accident Yes, I uh, yes, and I've written rock climbing. That's too close. Too close. Well, you know, like I've, I've gone rock climbing, and it's like a oh, it's I like a, it's a way I could imagine dying now. Do you know? Were <laughs> you surprised when uh, later we are introduced to Daryl's physique uh, that he does not have the physique I would associate with a rock climber at all? Uh yeah. Well. I guess rock climbing's not his kind of primary sport. But yeah, he's got like the big shoulders and normally climbers are quite wiry and stuff. But, but they, they have right, quite broad. They've got, no, got quite a lot of back muscles, but just tend to be more like lean as well. Like less kind yeah, of, you know. Yeah, he's a really big guy, Daryl. Yeah, he's, but, um, he's, a beefy, he's a beefy lad. Uh, so the, what was it then? Okay, and then I've written, 
Angel, what the fuck are you doing? Do you know what this relates to? Oh my god. What yes. the fuck so is he doing? We switched to Cordy walking towards her car, thinking that someone's chasing her, kind of inexplicably saying Xander Harris if this is some kind of joke. So like, does Xander regularly oh, hide in the dark and n- no. scare her on her way to the car? It's because he's earlier in the scene when she says she doesn't want to hang out with him. He's like, okay, well, you know, call us whenever the zombies rise and try to eat your flesh or whatever. Oh, so it's like he's seeded so the idea is, that okay. she's being after. Yeah. Okay, okay. So she's like, Xander, is this some kind of joke? It's not Xander. It is Angel yeah. creeping around in the dark. Because he thinks she's Buffy? And and just like like with such purpose to his stride, like you know, like I'm like when a woman is by herself at night time, you like you like cross the street, man. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't you don't just like march after them like You hear that, listeners? Just yeah. have a little bit of a Just cross just cross the street. Walk on the other side of the street. It's fine. And like I think there's a slight implication maybe the angel can't help moving around like a creep because he's a vampire mm-hmm. and that's just like how vampires move but i'm not really buying that i think that like he it, you know if he can like not drink the blood of the innocents he can not walk about like a total creep. yeah no 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 very very like, i understand he has to stay out of sunlight but like at night time he seems to be able to just be walk a, around just in the glow be of the moon. A, a little bit more considerate of like the 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 reality of risk involved that that a woman has to deal with when navigating the world. Just be just be a bit more aware of that angel. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know. like like she doesn't know. She doesn't yeah. know that you're not any threat. Or you that, could just say, you know, "Hey, even in the context Cordelia." Of vampires, she doesn't know that you're not a killer vampire. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, or, well, he thinks it's Buffy, doesn't it? So, like, oh, hey, Buffy. Yeah. But, I mean, this is... Because normally, this is, like, a scene where it goes wrong. Normally, he jumps out on Buffy in a creepy way, and she's like, oh, hey, it's you, and, yeah. like, isn't phased. But, like, yeah, he's just, like, creeping around, mm. walking about like a creep. Makes her jump into a bin. And then when she comes out, and he's wearing this beige-white combo... Yeah, that was a weird outfit. It was a very strange. It was like a kind of like a diet Columbo kind of. He almost, it was a bit of a Peter Falk kind of thing about it. Um, Who's Peter Falk? The actor who plays Columbo. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, didn't know that. Um, but yeah, a very, very strange palette for Angel. Very strange palette for Angel. Because normally he wears a lot of black and like yeah, leather and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so here's here's something. Some So somebody online had said that, um, oh, Angel isn't seen wearing a beige and tan combination outfit in this which um he would have seen xander wearing in the last episode of series one uh so maybe he's because he's jealous of xander he's trying to dress more like xander oh how does angel's mind work yeah very like very odd very very odd but just doesn't suit his doesn't suit his complexion um, Would you have loved it if he'd shown up in one of the like really loud Hawaiian shirts? That yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that's kind of what we associate him with more. <laughs> with the skateboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, it's just a terrible fit, terrible fit from Angel. Um, and and then Cordelia jumps, comes out of the bin. They have a little chat or whatever. It turns out he's not trying to kill her. And um, even though he strongly implied that he was, yeah. And uh, she picks up as a hand, possibly. It's a yeah, it's a body part. A hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the bin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we kind of find out then that uh, the body parts don't add up to. Mm. There's more than one person, but there's less than three in the sense that some of the body parts are missing. Yeah. So Cordy and Angel show up in the library where the Scooby Gang are with a lot of information. So there must be a scene that we don't see where Cordelia and Angel together open up all of these bin bags, lay out the body parts to check like which bits connect to which ones, find that there are some bits missing, and then also kind of examine the nature of the way that the body parts have been cut apart. And Angel realises that it must be someone with anatomical knowledge, presumably like where the cuts have been made and things. Uh Um, so yeah, poor, poor Cordy, who seemed quite upset by finding the hand, was then made to like, (laughs) (laughs) help to, help to put together these body jigsaws and see what bits were missing. Um, so this is interesting because you know the bit, like, because in that scene then, she's like holding Angel's arm really tightly and she's just Mm. very, she's very physically, uh, familiar with him in the scene. And I was a bit like, Jesus, you don't even know this guy, Cordy, like stop coming on a bit strong. Like you're obviously you know, like throwing yourself at him, whatever. But when you put it that way, maybe, do you know what? Maybe she's been a little bit traumatized by it. And, you Mm. know, she's kind of clinging to him just out of, through that trauma, um, which would actually make a lot more sense. I've also decided that Cordy doesn't fancy Angel at all, but is uh, in the same way that Buffy was using Xander to get to angel cordy is using angel to get to To buffy Buffy. yeah absolutely And actually she just wants but like not necessarily in like a romantic or sexy thing i think she just like is really interested in buffy's friendship actually yeah i think kind of in a competitive sort of like testing the boundary because they have this quite interesting relationship where it's like who's in charge like who's the dominant one like they're kind of like vying for power yeah in like kind of quite a friendly way Mm mm-hmm um, there's just kind of like butting heads a little bit like who's the alpha here. Um, and I feel like in this scene, it's actually Cordy. She's only got eyes for Buffy. She doesn't really care about Angel. He's just a pawn. No, I absolutely agree with you there. I think like even though she like obviously um, was like, pick up the phone, call 911 the first time she saw him. Um, oh, yeah, because that <laughs> I'm going to need some oxygen after I'm done with that guy. Yeah. Um, this is how we know that Cordelia is rich because she can afford an ambulance to just be sent to her to give her a bit of oxygen. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's totally, it's totally very much a triangulation thing with Buffy and, and again, not like in a romantic sense, but, um, there's the friendship element that she kind of wants to be involved, but it is also that sort of like, you know, Cordelia's risen to the top of the position within the school. Mm. And then she's found out that there's actually a whole different metric that she's not on the top of. Ah. You know, that's quite significant because it involves, you know, like life and death and you know, the hellmouth and like all this kind of stuff. So she is she is threatened by the fact that Buffy is the one who knows more about this like quite important thing, do you know? 
Um, mm. So I think, yeah, that is where the triangulation is coming from. And that's where the dominant fight is coming from because she's like, well, I am popular, but like I'm, I'm aware that, you know, maybe this isn't the only metric to, to measure my, I don't know, success mm. through. She's maybe getting a glimpse of the wider world outside high school. Yeah, and realizing, do you know what? Different hierarchies. Yeah, popularity, like that's not going to cost for much when she graduates, but Buffy's mm-hmm. always going to be the slayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in a final act of like marking, she's basically pissing on Angel at this point, marking her territory. Yeah. Um, in a final act of marking her territory, she's like, yeah, maybe you can walk me home, Angel. But, like, she's not going to kiss him. No. She's not going to, like, invite him in or anything like that. Like, she doesn't mm. actually give a shit about him at all. Um, He's just a tall drink of water to her. <laughs> um, a tall, beige and white drink of water. <laughs> Hello, can we deal with my pain, please? There, there. So then I think you get a little glimpse into... into Is it... Uh, so Eric's the creep. Daryl's yes. the... The dead brother. What's it called? Alive? Chris. Chris. Yeah, you see a little little glimpse into Chris's life because he comes home and his mum is like catatonic, chain smoking mm. on the couch in the dark, watching Very these sad. videos. And uh, of of her, you know, her son who's, who's passed away, uh, of his, you know, best throws or whatever people do in American football. Um, a little bit of an inversion of the witch in this episode, actually, like a little bit of, you know, like uh, in The Witch when it's like the mom's at home, but it's actually the daughter and like they're like a shut in and stuff mm-hmm. like Amy's mom. But it's actually Amy. Uh, whereas, yeah, in this one, again, it's like, OK, like the mom, she's like a total shut in or whatever. And how that affects the how that affects the, the child or whatever. And... Well, a lot of sympathy for the mom, I feel, in this episode, like, um. Buffy, well, later when Buffy shows up and meets her, she's very much like implying that um, the mum should be being a better mum to Chris kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's obviously in a very fucking dark place and she just lost her older son. And Yeah, yeah. And she plays it very well. She plays it very well. It's quite, it's quite hard to look at, actually, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris goes down into the lab, which is incredibly green. And I That's feel so like it's not a good light to be really doing any kind of medical or scientific, you know, incisions with. You're right. And then I was like, has it got something to do with him developing his photos? But I'm like, no, because that would be red. And also there would still just be too much light in that room to develop the photos. So it really is just a total aesthetic choice that they've decided. Is it like a Frankenstein-y? Yeah, exactly. It's like a Frankenstein in green. Yeah. Um, and you see that they're going to put all these girls together to make a, make a perfect girl. I, you know, it's make a girl anyway that they can they can bring to life out of all of the parts of the different girls, like a Franken Franken girlfriend. And you're a bit like, oh, this is weird. This is weird. They're going to make a Franken girlfriend. And, mm. and then you realize, what do you realize? That the Franken girlfriend is actually for Frank and Daryl. Chris's brother, mm-hmm. who he's already brought back, and he actually wants to make a wife for his brother. Yes, so it's a it's a bride so of Frankenstein. Yeah, so it becomes a bit complicated in terms of like the motivation. There definitely is a whole thing of 
owns eric kind of represents that like sense of ownership and entitlement over women's bodies yeah because he's just a total psychopathic creep like he like what is his like dog in this fight you know he doesn't Mm. you know there's no there's no emotive reason why he's involved other than he just likes the idea of cutting up girls and Mm. you know turning them into a toy Mm. and then yeah so for from chris's point of view he has this like love and admiration for his brother and then also the very toxic masculinity influences his brother has over him where his brother has quite an unhealthy sense of entitlement to women's bodies mm-hmm. and yeah and then chris is just like yeah big brother whatever you say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, to the point of murdering women for him. So 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 it gets quite complex. We get given some compelling emotional reasons why this horrific thing is happening, Um, and they have everything except a head. All they need is a head. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, they have a few kind of pictures up. It turns out that Eric was taking photos to to profile people, Um, and uh, Daryl ends up choosing Cordelia. Cordelia's head to be Mm. the head of the Bride of Frankenstein. And they can't use the heads from the bodies they already have, Mm -hmm. which were like freshly dug up car crash victims, because heads if you put them in formaldehyde formaldehyde to be fresh the head i know and like i don't like i think there's been i've seen this episode loads of times but it's the first time that i paid attention to that line as like why they couldn't do it um so i feel like yeah i know a lot about formaldehyde now assuming it's true i I think maybe i don't know so it's got a truthiness (laughs) to it you know so this gooby gun kind of trying to trying to put all the pieces together figure it out um, Xander gives this little speech about how the boys want to create a zombie woman because boys always want what they can't have, which mm-hmm. doesn't completely make sense because they're creating this zombie woman in order to like own this zombie woman. Surely, if you want what you can't have, then that's a live woman. I don't know. Yeah, it it is also just like you're just. I mean, yeah, if you make a woman who's like hideously disfigured and legally dead then that's someone that you've got power over um but it's not yeah but there's anyway it's kind of a red herring little speech anyway yeah (laughs) as i was listening i was like that doesn't really work with the story Mm. at all but uh, yeah he's he's wrong anyway that's not as we as we know that's not what's going on here Uh Um, um buffy tells giles a good chat up line for uh jenny did you hear this one Yes, she's a techno pagan, right? Ask her to bless your laptop. Uh, love that. Um, and then I also quite enjoy when uh they're walking along, talking, trying to work out what's going on with the sort of zombie science fair project situation, and then Xander sees Giles and says, "And speaking of love," and Willow's like, "We were talking about the reanimation of dead tissue." <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then Xander's like, I don't go around dissecting your segues. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually quite a good one. <laughs> it was good. Xander's quite funny in this episode. Xander and Willow mm-hmm. have quite a lot of good, like, little, yeah, little funny yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah, they do. I like it. Um, so I've, then I've got downloading incantations. Did Jenny say that she was downloading incantations? Jenny says, so Giles tries to start to ask Jenny on a date. And Jenny's like, no, I'm going to the game tonight. And then Giles is like, 
uh, don't, I would have thought that you'd spend your evenings downloading incantations. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I love that you've written notes that are inexplicable to yourself, by the way. What? No, I mean, they wouldn't have been I do inexplicable. This all the time. But I watched it last <laughs> week, so now it's been. <laughs> Which is my fault because I cancelled last week. I do this all the time though when I write notes and things and then look at them at home and I'm like, giant anthills? Yeah. What, what was I talking no, about? I, I'm relying on you to be the context tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've also um, got, um, her hair is a bit flat? Question mark. I felt like her hair was a bit flat in this episode apparently. <laughs> her hair is flatter in this episode than it's been before. Yeah. But I think that's deliberate. I think it looks good. Yeah, yeah. Do you not like it? I don't know. I think I liked it a bit more, bit more bounce in it. a little bit more volume. Bit more bounce. Actually, has she ever been like a L'Oreal lady? Because I could see her as like a L'Oreal lady in the 90s. She must have done some kind of, she must have had some kind of advertising deal because she's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like I would we'll definitely, this up I'd, buy con- next I'd buy conditioner off her. Miss Calendar. Oh no, please call me Jenny. Miss Calendar's my father. Okay, so then, so then so Jenny, Jenny. So tries to ask her yeah. out and she asks him out instead. Yeah, yeah, she turns it around and she does it so cool and so casual. Giles has been like fluster, fluster, fluster. And then she's just like, hey, like, we're let, going let, to talk about it over, over Mexican, you know. How do you feel about Mexican? She uses the exact line that that, that Buffy says. Oh, and it's really beautiful. And it shows that Buffy understands. Buffy knows the grown-up world, doesn't she? She understands it very well. Buffy's suave, and that's why we love her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Giles is not, but he gets a date. He does get a date. He gets a date to to the big game. To the big game. And then we see him uh, talking. So they're still kind of trying to work out what's going on with these body parts. And Giles has spoken to a press person who's told him about the police reports on the bodies, which aren't public yet. Which is quite similar to, well, we kind of assume they're not public yet because if they were, he just could have read it in the paper or whatever. Um it's quite similar to when Giles was at the hospital in that one episode in series one and the doctor is just like, let me tell you about all of our confidential patient records. Well, you know what? This is what having a, a privileged um, a privileged yeah, form right? of English, uh, a, priv- <laughs> a privileged form of spoken English does to people. They assume certain things about your authority you know, mm. and, they'll, and they'll give you all that. Is this not true? Because I feel like it's just that Giles exudes a sort of like He's competent. He, yeah. he's a high school librarian. Like you wouldn't normally give all these secrets to a high school librarian, yeah. apart from a very charismatic one. Mm-hmm. He's probably quite well networked as well. He's got the whole Watchers Council behind him. Yeah, but I can't imagine him being very well networked, like within Sunnydale, California. No. Like he, I mean, you know, his yeah, but his whole thing is that like he doesn't really get American culture and like American yeah. people. Like a lot of it comes from just like him being quite bemused at like American culture. So like I feel, I feel like it, I, I can't imagine him just like. Um, I find it hard to imagine him like subtly striking up a conversation in like a really like you know, dissembled way and getting information mm. out of someone without them realizing it. You know. Because yeah. he's always on the back foot about not really understanding Americans. Yeah, I don't know. A bit of an inexplicable moment for me, yeah, I feel. Yeah. Uh, him having got that information. I need, I, need to keep, I need to keep an eye out for the inexplicable moments again. I've, kind of, I've dropped the ball on that one. Um, there weren't very many in this episode. No, I mean, season one's full of them. Uh, yeah. They, they do get less and less. Uh, yes. <laughs> we'll run out eventually. Yeah. But um, at this point, there are still a few. But then we get the big reveal that... Um, which we kind of already revealed there, but but yeah. the, the the audience gets the big reveal at this point that Chris 
has already made a zombie version of his brother and is now making him a zombie wife. Uh, oh, yeah, I mixed up those two scenes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I don't think... I mean, I imagine when people listen to this, they're probably not... <laughs> watching it. Watching yeah. the episode at exactly <laughs> the same time with us as, like, DVD copies. <laughs> so I think it's fine. I would assume that people are... Li- watching the episode at some point and then listening to us talk about it. Yeah. Um, by the way, who's listening to us in Brussels? Uh, we love that you're listening to us, but we've... Someone listening to us someone's, in someone's listening to us in Brussels. And is it Andrew? Is he not living in Glasgow now? Yeah, he's back. Yeah. Someone in... Is this recent hits from yeah. Brussels? So anyway, all our... Hey, Brussels listeners. Yeah, all our love to our Brussels fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um... Uh, yeah, this is a kind of a... Th- and also hi to my mum if you're listening. Oh, yeah, Anna, Anna. My mum's been listening. Has left some lovely comments. comments. Yeah. Yes, I hope you're enjoying Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mum. I don't think you've watched it before, so welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the club. Third and long, seconds to go. Where do you throw? Where do you throw? So uh, this is a quite a, a toxic little uh, scene, isn't it? Like between all these guys down there. Like yeah. you've you've set up the kind of the toxic kind of brother relationship of masculinity, mm. and then and 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 then he's like, last touch of the throw. Wh- where are you gonna ba- base? Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to say like American sports words. <laughs> where are you gonna base? Yeah. Where do you throw? Where do you throw? <laughs> Yeah, and what number five? Daryl's gonna drive. I don't know what any of this means. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, so this is the big brother trying to persuade the little brother to kill someone for him. Yeah, but it's kind of doing it because he says like, "Oh, you were always the the smart one and stuff," but he's definitely like throwing about his masculinity, masculinity a little bit, kind of. Being the alpha dog, big brother—it's pretty, pretty toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And is it Eric that's like, oh, it's just, it's just one lousy girl? Yeah, that was horrible. He says it in like such a chilling way mm-hmm. as well. He really doesn't deliver it like he delivers it like just a throwaway line, which makes it even creepier. Um, so here's um again, just doing a little bit of kind of research around the episode. I found somebody online. I don't know if it was like on like a Buffy Trivious thing or something like that there. It said like throughout this whole episode, everyone keeps talking about killing Cordelia and killing Cordelia. But technically they wouldn't be killing her because they would just be bringing her back to life and the thing. And I was like, Eric, did you write this comment? Because like, I feel like you're writing that comment, like you're not really picking up on the sort of critique (laughs) that this episode is making. (laughs) I guess it's sort of worse than killing her. Yeah, because it's like reviving them as like a, a zombie slave to you. Yeah, yeah, zombie sex slave. Basically, yeah. Mm. Um, his face upsets me. Yeah, what the Daryl scars. Yeah, it just it's and it's a upsetting face. It's very kind of um, it looks like kind of moist and it's very green. And the scars look angry, you know. <clears throat> mm, like it, yeah, it looks painful. Yeah, it looks like sure. a painful, painful face, and just shiny, shiny. The shininess of it, I think, is is quite upsetting. Okay, so yeah, and then the next scene is when we find out about the formaldehyde brain, actually. Yes. Uh, yes. But Willow says like she was reading the obits, mm-hmm. which is just um, yeah. Willow's really settled into this 
into this sort of uh, paranormal detective lifestyle where oh, she's. Oh, I know, just, I love it. Not, not the obituaries, the obits. Reading the obits. The obit. Yeah. She talks about at one point in this episode um, how she's got like, I don't quite know how the internet works at this time, but she mentions like having the mortuary as one of her like f- saved favourite places or something. Yeah, I love watching Willow come into her own. I'm probably the only girl in school who has the coroner's office bookmarked as a favorite place. Buffy goes to the house and she sees the she sees the mum, um, and she, and uh, sees I guess picks up on some some sort of the dynamics that are happening in the in the Daryl Chris household, and <clears throat> then goes down and and she you know she realizes what's up because she sees the plans she sees mm-hmm. maybe Cordelia's head as well. Uh, so it's a picture, like a picture. plan of yeah. the body with the picture of Cordelia, yeah. Yeah. So she's so it's pretty clear what they're going to do at this point. Yeah. And then Daryl comes out and is about to, I don't know, strangle her or something. But then mm. she ends up jumping out the window instead uh, before she, she realizes. She hears a noise and bolts. Yeah, she hears a noise and bolts. And I guess she goes to warn Cordelia. Who is cheerleading at the big game. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Chris and Eric capture Cordelia um Buffy shows up just in the nick of time does an incredible kick I know you're not really into fight scenes but it's a it's a really good kick I was wondering if you noticed just that Um, it was a good kick sends those motherfuckers away and then Cordy just fucking bounces back up and she's like I'm going out to cheerlead Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because she is resilient yeah yeah well she she you know Buffy does her demon thing and Cordy does does her cheerleading thing do you know like she knows what her she knows where her place is Absolutely. And she's got to get out because she's the apex of the pyramid. Of course she is. She says, no, I have to get out. I'm the apex. And then I thought to this, like literally anybody else in the pyramid is is actually essential. And the apex is like the only person in that pyramid who's inessential. That's a really good point. If any other person in that pyramid didn't go out, then the pyramid would not happen. It just wouldn't. Whereas, like, you can actually structurally, you can, you can, you can do without the apex. So I feel like I wasn't that convinced by her argument, um, just on a purely yeah, on an engineering yeah. level. But of course, as you said, the difference between kind of the cultural meaning with vegetable and and yes. um, uh, and fruit, and you know the, the scientific one. Like, I'm sure in in a sort of a cultural reading, then the apex is the most important. But we do know that the apex is actually the least important because. That's Do you know, it's true. like the 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 whole world, you know, runs. It's like the the the, the masses, the laboring masses, are, are who holds the structure up. And you know, if 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 we stop working, then the the machine grinds to a halt. And our whereas if the manager doesn't show up nothing, one day, or if we you know take the manager's head and put it onto a zombie. Yeah. So body. what I'm saying is, everyone should join a union. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just taking this, just taking this moment to tell you to join a union. It's incredibly important that you join a union. It's actually like, yeah. Sorry to like break the character, <laughs> but absolutely join a union. Um, okay. Join a tennis yeah. union. Oh, if they're, you can they're the best. Well. Yeah. They're also really good. Uh, right. So the apex is least important structurally. <clears throat> uh, I'd love it from this moment on our Buffy podcast <laughs> about about the the socialist revolution 
I mean, I'm. We now that now that we've got your attention, I actually look. You know, as Buffy goes on, you can start to do some very interesting kind of uh, readings of of Buffy uh, as like a big lib program. To be honest, like you know. Um, oh, and let's. Yeah, we will. Let's. I think. I think. I think we need to move forward a bit. But there's definitely certain there's certain dynamics between characters and, and conflicts later that you can start to see in terms of politics a lot more. It's good that we introduce yeah. this now so that people who don't want to hear about this have yeah. warning. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to get our propaganda now. I completely agree with both of you, actually. I agree with your reading of this, but I also agree with Cordy that she does need to she be does. on that pyramid. She does, and it's important for her to be there. So I think we then see a little bit more of uh, Giles and Miss C. Talking yeah. Sports. yeah, Giles is like carrying like a comical array of snacks and flags. Um do you think like they're it, for both of them to share or do you think they're all for him? I really hope that they're all for him. But um, <laughs> so do you think that she like said, oh, let's get some of these or these are great and like da 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 da. Or, or do you think he like doesn't really know like what he's doing? So he just thought I'll buy literally everything that's an offer because she's bound to like one of these things. Like maybe she was like, oh, why don't you go get us some snacks? And he just got one of everything. Yeah, yeah. Because he was like, oh, God, I don't know what she likes. I think maybe that. I still think she should be carrying some of them, probably. But maybe she's got a good reason not to. I don't know. Maybe she can't. And he's got the uh, he's got the two flags for the Razorbacks, and um, then it's all very cute. It's a cute date. Okay, I've written. Who has Buffy lost? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she talks to Chris. She talks to Chris, and uh, she's like, "It's not too late. You don't need to go through with this. Come on, let's try and stop it before you know no one's hurt yet." Um, and then she says to Chris, I know what it's like to have lost somebody. And I was like, who's Buffy lost? We don't know about this. I don't think we do, do we? No. So, but the thing is, like, you know, later in series two, you do find out about her being very close with her cousin who died at some point. Um, but it's like never mentioned again. It's never mentioned before that. So I think they just kind of, they needed her to say like a, a relatable thing to Chris in that moment, you know? Do you um, think so, that's a storyline they were thinking of developing and then didn't? No, I think it was just like what people like. I think it's more. I think it's more underlining the fact that loss is a common thing. It's like it doesn't mm. make it. It's you're not. Spe- it's not that you're not special for you know experiencing loss, but like it's not a mit- It's not as enough of a mitigating circumstance to allow you to kill someone kill to make someone. a zombie yeah. sex slave. Do you know, yes, like, yes. like we all experience loss and we somehow manage to not make uh, Frankenstein zombie sex, zombie sex slaves. So Most of us. So I think, yeah, it's not maybe it's not, not, not so much about drawing attention to Buffy's particular pain that makes her special, but more to situate the fact that, you know, loss is a common part of the human condition. It's quite didactic in a way, this episode, isn't it? It's yeah. like, there's a very, do you know, like... Uh, John was playing me earlier. Uh, he'd found a compilation on YouTube of like the messages at the end of He Man episodes. Oh, okay. Um, he Man's before my time, but John John loved it. And th- at the end of every episode, there were th- they were ridiculous, like these really long spiels of like, um, and remember, kids, it's important. And like these these lessons, and one of the lessons was like, um, and, and and they're so they they'll be like and in this episode this happened and this is what it means for you you <laughs> um, and one of them so sometimes it's like in this episode this guy took this special potion because he thought it would make him run faster but actually it turns out you shouldn't take drugs 
that kind of thing. Um, but one of them was, except like a really long-winded version of that, but one of them was, um, in this episode, the fairy child's magical singing uh, cheered everyone up and saved the day, um, even though she felt sad inside. Um Everybody does feel sad inside sometimes, but next time you feel sad or alone, try singing and putting on a happy face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you might find that you start to feel better and everyone else around you does too. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't so, bump so don't 80s. bump people out. Yeah. It's funny how the messages change, isn't it? Um put on a happy face. But yeah, I feel like this episode is similarly didactic where um it's like yeah, you know, people people die, but don't make a zombie sex slave, kids. And I never have, so maybe it worked on me. Yeah, you don't understand. I have to go. I'm the apex. So, so uh, then uh, Xander and Willow turn up, and Xander says, uh, "What did they find on Chris's or Eric's computer? Eric's computer, um, maybe. Uh, Eric's computer, like an, an array of porn that uh, made uh, me feel shame or something like that." A pornography collection so prodigious it even scared me. It even and scared me. That was given it. that we know that Xander masturbates to like etchings of like hag witches from the mm. medieval times, um, presumably it takes quite a lot to scare Xander in terms of um, you know his very specific erotic tastes. <laughs> and um, yeah. also, so. You know, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit disappointed in Xander and Willow here. Like, I think that they they should really be taking the hint. Certainly, Willow. I think Willow has the emotional maturity to to take the hint here and be like, let's leave Giles and Jenny to have their grown up time. Mm-hmm. But you know, the barriers have broken between them because they've humanized them now. They've started to see these teachers as like their equals. So now they're like, hey, we're all just hanging out together they as friends. They yeah. crash their date. Yeah. So. Cordy gets captured under the bleachers. Yeah, or what we assume are the bleachers. And does some great screaming. Really good screaming. Um, uh, yeah, we should, for Cord- so Cordelia, uh, like quite a lot of in the first series, we had a lot of stock screams. They seem to be paying to use a lot of stock screams. Now they've realized Charisma Carpenter can fucking scream. Yeah, why pay someone else for their rights? You know, you're already paying her. So mm. hopefully they're paying her extra. I hope so, yeah. 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 Screen bonus. Yeah. Um, ba, 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 ba. Okay. Nice catch. Did someone catch something? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what your notes are about. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. What? What? what okay. What happens next? <laughs> well, you kind of already did the next bit. So my chronology that I have here: Cordy gets captured. Yeah. Um, we've kind of done with the game at this point. Then we have the whole bit where Buffy kind of comes to fight Daryl and confronts him and tells him that she's lost someone too, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, post-Cordy yeah. capture. Yeah. Is that post-Cordy capture? Oh, yeah, yeah it is. because Cordy's already been... Okay. So, so Cordy's been captured. She's been kind of strapped down and they're trying to turn her into a zombie. Then Buffy turns up. And say, and there's a big fight, and then she confronts Daryl, and then ah, uh, uh, okay, all right. Or she confronts. Sorry, she confronts confronts Chris. Yes, 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 um, yes. Okay, I, I've I've got what's happening, Dan. I've got what's happening. I've actually and then got fi- yeah. Huh? I say I've actually got the episode up, so I'm just like like okay. Uh, and then fight, 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 
Um, the whole room goes on fire. Yeah, the whole room goes on fire. And then um, Daryl decides that he would rather die with his headless zombie mm-hmm. um, ride, which is just, I mean, I, I, I don't want to... Like it's just a it's just a sex toy if it doesn't have a head. Do you know? Like she's not conscious at this point. Like it's not even it doesn't have a head. It's literally just it is just you know, which I it's like it's quite horrific when you think about it. Yeah. You know? It's one thing to like want like a some sort of like conscious uh pe- company, you know, while you're while you're a zombie. But he's literally like, yeah, he's just mm. anyway, weird. Uh <laughs> So I'll get set on fire. And then Angel turns up uh, afterwards, after everyone's saved the day and blah, blah, blah. And there's like fire brigades outside and stuff like that. And and Angel's wearing the same outfit. The tan and white combo. Which I think is like two days in a row now he's he's decided to wear this colour palette. I mean, what even is a day and a night for Angel? Yeah, true. Maybe he never went to bed. Mm. Um, Dirty stop out. And then, so does is Buffy explaining to Angel like vaguely what happened, and then Angel goes like, "Sounds like he took it a little over the edge," which <laughs> <laughs> is just that was a really good Angel impression. Well done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, but it, it it was it was just a uh, like okay, Mister Understatement, um, and then, and then I've written. Oh, it's, maybe as he tucked the shirt in, and my problem is that, like, there's no color contrast. Maybe he needs to wear a belt or something. Okay, mm-hmm. so now my final notes are just just still on Angel's outfit just and how terrible it is. Just four pages about Angel's outfit. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, Ms. that's for another episode. implies she'd like to go on a second date with Giles. Yeah. That's a nice little moment at the end. Um... Xander's complaining to Willow about never getting a date and then Cordy maybe is starting to ask him out and he rejects her. Um, well, it's not... So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely... It's putting the seeds there yeah. of, you know... There's there's a thought. There's a thought. There's the offer of a thought in their relationship. Yes, but it's, it's kind of just um, a little played for laughs moment at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Angel admits that he was jealous of Xander um, and says that, well, he gets to be there where when I can't. He gets to take your classes, eat your meals. Don't, <laughs> don't really. Eat your meals. You, you get, you, he gets to eat all of the white cubes that you bring him. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, yeah, I don't even... He gets to eat your meat. Like, is the implication that Buffy's cooking for Xander or just that he's, like, just eating her food that she's... That's been <laughs> <for her? laughs> like... Yeah, I think the, the implication is that Buffy cooks for Xander. She's a trad wife yeah, for Xander. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah. Yeah, eats eats your meals. Like, Buffy doesn't have meals she other than the she, one she's given. She doesn't... We don't really she see her She doesn't have time cooking. to cook. Yeah. yeah. She's, she gets meals given to her by her mommy mm-hmm. and... Uh, the school canteen mm. um and i think which xander yeah. eats <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. know um and then angel has this little acknowledgement where he talks about how it's weird that xander he's jealous of xander even though xander's a school kid and he's a 261 year old vampire 241 mm-hmm. year old 241 so i think we get we get his exact age maybe for the first time possibly mm. um 
So I'm glad and they're kind of acknowledging that and just kind of putting yeah. it out there. Like, we know this is a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, and then that's that's the end of the episode. And then, but, but then quite nicely, Buffy offers to walk him home, whereas earlier Cordy was like, oh, can you walk me home? And Buffy's like, do you want me to walk you home? Ah, uh, you know, yeah. If anyone starts on you, I'm like a motherfucking vampire slayer. Quite a nice little ending. Nice.